This is exactly right. Is this on? Are you on? Is this on? Is this on? I'm on. You're on. This is on, girl. It's on, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Is this this the fucking Super Bowl? What's happening? (laughs) What's happening? Shit. Take us off camera three and four, please. Truly. No, wait. Is this fucking WrestleMania or what? Or what? That's right. Or cross-promoting to other interests. That's right. There's other interests in the world. Uh, that's where my husband is right now, WrestleMania. That's right. Yeah. He fucking ditched us. No, it's fine. He's got to live his life. Yeah. For one weekend a year. <laughs> You're so generous that I way. I am. <laughs> It's nice. Wait, we should say. Oh my God, look at these. It's a giant Elvis head and a giant Frank George head. Oh my God. It's all right. (laughs) But she's really disappointed in you. This is, I have to live with a pet who stares at me like, why can't, why can't you just feed me? Why can't you walk me again? Why can't I get under the covers on your bed? Uh, these were these were delivered to us backstage, <laughs> but we didn't make them th- ourselves. That would be really weird. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I'd be like, "Have you finished your head? We are leaving tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, Georgia, I'm not telling you again. You can't check in on the plane. You, you have can't. to get there an hour early so you can. <laughs> so you, we bought these seats. Yeah, <laughs> on the plane. Uh huh. They wore seat belts. Yeah. If you can bring your emotional support puppy, I'm allowed to bring my emotional support <laughs> giant cardboard cutout of my cat's head. <laughs> my pet is the least emotionally supportive <laughs> animal or being on this planet. Oh, my is. <laughs> There's been times where, like, you know, when you're like, oh, I bet you my my pet knows how I feel, knows my feelings. There's been times when like things have happened, and I'd be like in the kitchen crying, like leaning against the counter, like, oh, fuck. Oh, and George literally walks through, like, treats, treats. <laughs> you're standing by the treat thing. If you if you're there and crying, you might as well grab me a treat. <laughs> Maybe she. I want to defend her for a minute. Okay. Maybe she's like, you know what, you should try treats. <laughs> it always makes me feel better. You know what? If you're sad right now, I see you bawling in the di- right by the treats. Try it. I think it's very clear that I enjoy my fucking treats. <laughs> <laughs> that just, that's just the truth. Oh, thank you. I thank you and my Spanx thank you. So these say on the back, we made these for the show, but giant animal heads aren't allowed. <laughs> I, guess you ha- I guess you... You know the rules. ...can have them. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, this is kind of debris that you brought in, and it was going to get thrown in the dumpster, and they're like, maybe they'll like them. Mine says, security took these from us, and then there's like a weird drawing of what kind of looks like a Pac-Man ghost. <laughs> 
and a talking bubble, and then there's an arrow, and it says, that's a broken heart, but I'm drunk. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they took those from you, not because you're not allowed to have animal heads. It's because they could tell you were shit-faced. Because you were standing in the lobby like, I'm going to give you some. Yeah. Shh, hold on. I would tell a story. Let me tell you. No, 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 no. It was, uh, this is by Ben Nyers, by the way. Thank you, Ben, ben for, ma- for making us that. Salidi, I can't read your name. Salid? Sweetie? Oh, Thank yeah. You. I'm sorry, I can't read your name. The loge is being represented. Is that what that area we is called? We wouldn't have been Upper able to balcony. see it anyways. Section double... Double F 25. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, guys. Now what the fuck do we do with these? I I don't know. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, You're not drunk, are you? Okay. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. We want these back. We won't won't leave them. Speaking of um, drunk secrets, (laughs) I just remember last night when we were getting back to the hotel, we fucking literally ran (sighs) into... a person that was drunk Karen. <laughs> it was. It was amazing. Her name was Kate. Yeah. And she was, but here's the thing. She was repping. It wasn't sloppy. It was very pulled together. Her outfit looked, stop it. <laughs> I'm saying on the slop scale, yeah. including the fact that she, we walked by there because we were just walking in back into the lobby and she looks and goes, you too. <laughs> That's how the conversation started. And she was like this like adorable 23-year-old, and she was there was a bachelorette party. It was a bachelor fucking et party. Her outfit, her outfit like covered her vagina and her nipples. Like that was that was it. it. And I was like, it was actually the fact that she was drunk and you couldn't see anything obscene, it was like great. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. She had it pulled drunkenly together, (laughs) which is the kind I like, where she's having a conversation with you. Like we had a fun, active conversation. And then we were like, bye laters. And then she walked away. I was like, I think it like she was able to hold it for us. And then when she turned to her insanely shit-faced, drunken bachelorette party friends who were holding the elevator so they could take pictures of themselves inside an elevator. <laughs> and we were about to go in the other room. We were like, you know, we'll wait a minute. Noped out of there. Yeah, we were like, uh, circle up. We need a team meeting yeah. so we don't have to go but into that she... elevator with those drunk girls. <laughs> Kate literally goes, I have a secret to tell you. I yes. swear to God. Yes. Or, I have a secret. And the secret was <laughs> that her friends at work had been bragging that they were going to the My Favorite Murder Show that night. She took a photo of us and she's like, I'm going to show those fuckers. And I bet you this morning she like looked at her phone and was like, what the fuck? How did that happen? I, I bet she didn't she's remember. She's like, who is walking around Phoenix with cardboard cutouts of those two? <laughs> those two. Those two. I like it when, here's my favorite thing, Not you, have, you don't have to abide by these rules in any way, but um, if you want to, I like it if you talk to me like we just were talking two minutes ago and now we're talking a little yeah. bit more. That's the most natural way to talk to a stranger that isn't like, you don't go like, or go like, okay, check, check your wallet, make sure everything's fine. It's just someone that's like, oh my God, you're already in the party. We're now, I, I always like, do we have to go to this bachelorette party now? Yeah. Did we just make permanent friends with Kate in that way? We're now we're in this till the bitter end. She was like, they're going to be mad that we're missing this bachelorette party. And I think I went, they're going to get divorced anyway. <laughs> I mean, this girl was so young, you guys. Wait till you're 49 to get married, at least. 
Is that what you said? I don't know. Oh. Oh, or did you, were you trying to do a Steven call out? Oh. I don't know. Steven. Like, He's not yes. here. Oh. <laughs> um, what about this? We have another giant thing. Oh, yeah, thing. guys. Denver, you're all about giant shit. Denver. Denver, there's a theme and we like it. Here we go. One, Hold on. two. One, one and I two. I pull in, you pull off. Three and four. We've got it. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Okay. We unroll. Is this the top? Yes. This we, Look, it's a great thing, but we've also always wanted to be able to hold one of these. Ready? A giant check. It's a that giant. That the Denver Murderinos. Look what you guys did. Uh, <laughs> amazing. $3,800 you guys collected for Safe House Denver. Actually, $4,000. Actually, $4,000. $4,000, you guys. That's incredible. Amazing. It's made out to the bank of SSDGM, and it says, <laughs> it says stay saved and do God's mission. Amen. Amen. And then it's the memo. And the memo says, hi, Mimi. Hi, Mimi. <laughs> oh, no, what if this is really their check number? Oops. Yep. What if they put their check number on accident yep. on the Everyone's already check. taken a picture of it, Write and it they're down. withdrawing it from that checking account. <laughs> Good job, Denver Murderinos. Thank you, Denver Murderinos. Way to go. You're also really good at making giant checks. We, and we're good at holding them. We're going to walk into Chase Bank tomorrow with that and demand they cash it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, we saw that when we unrolled that. I got oh, yeah. a little, it, it made me choke up a little bit. But all things considered, I also choked up because I read an article about <laughs> Loretta Lynn's 40th or 50th anniversary in show business. And I was like, God damn, she's been doing it for so long. And she was telling me about it as I was putting my makeup on. And I look up and I went, you're crying. Like telling me about it. She was crying. And then you unraveled the check and started crying again. It was kind of a disaster backstage. Look. And I was like, I'm on drugs. <laughs> You should try a treat, but you already got those. No, that's the last thing I fucking need right now. <laughs> I was just very moved because Amanda Shire, this is very sidebar, but Amanda Shires and um, Brandy Carlisle and two other women, they did, they did for Loretta Lynn, they got together as like kind of a super group and did a bunch of her covers in front of her for her, and it was the first time they'd ever performed Beautiful. as a band. And they fucking apparently knocked it out of the park. You None of this so. is relevant or interesting <laughs> to you. But it made me cry. And everything is therapy to me, so shut up. Speaking of, this is my favorite murder of the podcast. Oh, hi! Thanks! This is Karen Kilgara. This is Georgia Hartstark. Thank you. Oh. Do you want to talk about your outfit at all? Or mm. tell us stuff? <laughs> Let us hear that. Oh, yeah. This old thing? Um, <laughs> what did you call those shoes last night? Are these are my old nun shoes. Full, full nun shoes. My evil nun shoes? <laughs> these are the kind of shoes that in the 90s I would wear them. My Aunt Ping would say, oh, are those your orthopedic shoes? You got your, some, something wrong with your feet? I'm like, no, I'm cool. Shut up. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say except for that I got this because I have to wear things other than pajamas all day in public because of trout face. Um, 
my, I was like, I just, every piece of clothing I find is the worst. And my friend's like, you, just let me recommend some stylists, because it was what she did for a living. And I got a Dell stylist. Not a stylist from a Dell computer, a Dell. Because it kind of sounded like that. Yeah, she designed a silver box laptop <laughs> that weighed mm, like 22 pounds <laughs> in 1997. No. Uh, so she got me all these dresses, and this one is from a brand called Eloquy, who gave it to me for free. <gasps> yes. How about your beautiful dress? My dress and my shoes and my toe bandage. You can see it. On can we get a close oh, up on the toe bandage, dare. everybody? No. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble from my. I, you know, I just took the bandage off myself, and I'm this close to taking the stitches out myself. Do, do what not. What's wrong with me? You, you love sepsis. That's what it is. <laughs> You want a good infection. I really do. Right in that bone. Do not do it. Okay. Uh, like, the third day she had, she texts me a picture of the bandage off. Can I tell this? Absolutely. And then she goes, I'm rebanding, I'm rebandaging it with a panty liner. <laughs> I thought I was a genius. <laughs> I had had wine. And I was like, yeah, it's like, um, you know, uh, in, on the field. And yep. like, fucking. You're like, mash. It's like yeah. triage. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like such a feminist. Too. And, you know, it is clean. It's clean and it wasn't scented. So it's not like it has all these chemicals. Good. Yes. Great. <laughs> Promo code murder. <laughs> <laughs> the darn things got wings. The darn things got wings. Somebody, because of that reference, somebody fucking sent they us. Found it? A, 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 yeah, well, it was a reel of um, basically tampon commercials from the 80s, yes. and it's one of the funniest things of all time. We should start playing that before our shows, <laughs> just on the video. <gasps> yeah. Of just hand after hand pouring blue liquid onto a yeah. maxi pad. Just over. Why? Women being told they can play fucking tennis in a giant pad. Ride a horse, ride over. a horse, bleed all over a horse's back. <laughs> It's what they say in the commercial. It wasn't my idea. I wish they would do a comer- like a real commercial where it's like, you get to lay around all you fucking want in this giant pad. There's no blue liquid involved, but you might cry about Loretta Lynn. Get ready. Get ready. The truth about periods. We're bringing it across the nation. We got to come out with our own tampons that are just like slop around. Wear this on the outside type of shit. No. No. Stop it. We would never do that. Please think of the men in the audience tonight. Please. For once in your lives, ladies. This podcast, please consider how disgusting you are. Um, Shall we sit down? Is it time? I guess. Okay. Oh, nice. yes, look at that. Yeah. How about these bad boys? Reminds me of my days uh, up in the bar. <laughs> the usual, <laughs> which is anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Pour it all into one glass. It tastes the same to me. It's called a Long Island iced tea. It's called I started at three. <laughs> Try to beat me. You're the bartender. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Karen. <sighs> Okay. We also, I mean, not to tell you every single private thing about us, but we also did split a four-hour energy shot. I've never... 
it's five not hours? An, it's not an off-brand version of five <laughs> Is it a seven-hour energy shot? It is now. I can't handle it. We drank two and a half, one and a half. Anyway, it's five. <laughs> Just hours. a five-hour. Yeah. Okay. I thought we should start an off-brand one called four-hour energy. Four-hour energy. Like, we, we're like, it's a little bit chiller. Yeah, yeah. But it'll get you through that test. <laughs> I've yes. never had it before. Oh, get ready. And it was, <laughs> well, I feel like I am. <laughs> and that's the problem is that I have, there is this kind of feeling of like, it's like the roller coaster starting. Yeah. We're, we're not moving, right? We're not. Well, we're in high altitude, so maybe that was a mistake. Oh, yeah. I said that right after I took a sip of it. But it was like, oh, too late now. Well, uh, uh, there you go. We were in the backseat on the way over here, and I was like, look what I have in, the per- in my purse. And I was like, let's do it before. And it sounded like I was trying to get Karen to do a mess. <laughs> she goes, let's, let's do it before the show. And I was like, I've never done it and before. I was like, Oh, it's great. It's the best. And I'm sure our driver went, it's high hour energy. Like, I just didn't want our driver to think we were talking about meth. Um, we're old and boring. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, meth is making a comeback, everybody. And it's for nice tonight. And young people. <laughs> it went away for a while, remember? No, you don't, because it hasn't. <laughs> um, Do you want to tell everyone about... What? I can't... Sorry. that... I don't want to see it. Okay. Guys, this is a true crime comedy podcast. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. We agree. Thank you. But, um, we, need, we feel the need to, to explain at the beginning because um, everybody that listens to this podcast comes to our live shows. Thank you so much for doing that. We, it's so fun and exciting but many of you insist upon bringing people who do not listen to this podcast and don't necessarily like the idea of this podcast I don't know why you see it seems rude it seems like you need to go to therapy but on your own time to those people we call you drag alongs and we just want to tell you that if you are offended by the idea of true crime and comedy going together, we understand because those two things, the worst thing that could happen to somebody and comedy do not belong together. They, it's not appropriate and we don't think it's appropriate. We don't think murder is funny. We just think we're funny. And <laughs> we like to have fun. And the way we process the thing that we're obsessed with, because we've both been obsessed with true crime since we were like 12 years old, and we like to look at the worst things in the world and try to see if we can cope with them, but a lot of the ways we cope with them is through comedy and humor. And so, if that offends you, we invite you cordially to get the fuck out right now. (laughs) Be our guest. (laughs) Your friend will meet you in the lobby by the merch table. Afterwards, if you could go get us four more five-hour energy yeah. drinks, four of the five. Feel my, I feel very hot right now. Did you? Uh oh. Feel right. Feel my neck. Am I really hot? Oh shit! You're having an iron rush. <laughs> this is stage one, man. Just when I stopped Did wearing. Did you see that dragon? <laughs> I just stopped wearing antiperspirant, and that's this is a bad time to do that. <laughs> You're Um, going straight deodorant or none at all? Straight deodorant. I would never offend anyone that way by doing none. Is it pretty bad? I love it, but... (laughs) Wait, your own body odor or the deodorant? My own body odor. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You You made it. I made it. Be proud. It's beautiful. It's me. (laughs) I just happen to smell like fucking lavender all the time. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry all the girls in school hate me. (laughs) It's not my fault. If you're like... 
like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. I think you're first tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Denver. Denver, you guys are so good to us. You're number one, truly. We like it here a lot. Yeah. Not just because weed is very legal. Uh... I'm gonna do the kidnapping of Adolf Coors the third. Oh yeah. This is one of those things that you're like, I've heard about something about a beer and a kidnapping, and you didn't really know if you're not from here. But now I know. And you do too, but I'm gonna tell you anyways. That's what it's all about on this show. I'm gonna retell you the story you know uh, worse than you heard it the first time. <laughs> Let's see what happens. That's right. Catch the mistakes. And don't tell me, though. I don't want to hear the mistakes. No, of course not. Okay. Oh, I got a lot of information from a Forensic Files episode. Mm. And um, there's a Denver Post um, article by Kevin Vaughn that's really great, too. So, man, I took some notes. I forgot to write them down. Okay. okay. (laughs) The name of the book. The fucking... Do you want to enter your memory palace right now? I don't have one. Okay. (laughs) 
It's been desecrated. Why? By years and years of invaders. Yeah. Okay. The Coors family. I've heard of them. Okay. Enjoyed their products. <laughs> really a fan. Truly. Is it Coors that your dad likes? No, Budweiser. Okay. I, I know. I did the... Look. Listen. Look and listen. <laughs> and drink your fucking beer. <laughs> I did. Can I just do an impression of my Please. dad? If my dad had to be here to defend himself right now, he'd go, hey, this ain't happy birthday. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. He's been saying it to me all my life. It's scary and weird and intimidating. It makes you stop talking. And then it makes you think for like four days where it's like, it's not his birthday or my birthday. Or like, what's the threat here? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, and say, then, but it worked. It calmed you down. It works. That's a takeaway for all of you. Take that home and use it at will. (laughs) Okay. Well, so here's here's what happened. We talked about Coors and Bud and the thing. And Vince's Vince's favorite beer is Coors. He always yeah. He always gets Coors backstage because Laura Kilgariff's favorite beer is Coors. Right. As is Adrian Colesingham's, who's here tonight. My other sister. What's What's up? They're they're Coors Light people. I am a terrible wife and can never remember if it's Coors or Budweiser that he likes. (laughs) So the other night I was like, I'm gonna. I was like ordering a bottle of wine. I was like, I'm gonna surprise or getting. I'm gonna surprise him with thing. Is it Budweiser or is it Coors? And I was like, I should text Karen and ask her. And I'm like, No, (laughs) I know it's Budweiser. And I brought it home, and he's like, No, I'll drink anything. (laughs) He's so sweet. How long have you guys been together? Long time. (laughs) Very long time. Very long time. I mean, okay. it's, you just keep it fresh. I think you're keeping it fresh. Of course. It nobody should make any assumptions right. in a relationship. Well, now I'll just think kidnapping, cores. Vince loves kidnapping. Vince yes. loves cores. <laughs> right. Now I know. Okay. The Coors family has been making beer in their Golden Colorado brewery since 1873. Good job. Golden Colorado. It's, um, as pr- they were Prussian immigrants, and they turned it into. They have since turned into the fifth largest brewery in the world. But back in like 1960, it was kind of a, still a mom and pop, like not a like a family owned local big time brewery. And that was like what everyone loved, you know. Um, she doesn't have to tell you. <laughs> your dad drank it. Your grandpa, you remember? Okay. By 1960, your uh, mom. <laughs> let's yeah. just say it. By 1960, 44-year-old 44, 44 Adolf, who went by Ad. Good. I think that's a great call. Anybody in this room named Adolf, don't be afraid no. to call yourself Ad and walk away from that full name. Yeah. I mean, it's because he was Adolf Coors the third. So they were like, nope, we're going to keep using that name. Yeah. We, we don't care. We had it before. We're going to do it after. Yeah. You're not the boss of us. Sorry. We make beer. Yeah. We don't like the name Stuart. You can fucking keep it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay, so he's the, he's the grandson of the founder, and he's the CEO of the company now in 1960. He's a father of four, and he's one of the, the state's best-known and most influential citizens. Here he, that's not him. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's mine. What did you do? This is, well, they just gave it away. Oh, shit! <laughs> Jay fucked up! Oh, I think he thought I meant... No, that was me. What? <laughs> Steven! You didn't do anything. Steven, you're fired. Be- <laughs> Steven, you're fired. Shit, did we just give away your story? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know what it is. No, good. That's all that matters in this <laughs> podcast world. Um, 
What do we do now? What happened? Are they all yours? Let's check it out. Look. Okay. Okay, stop. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Is that him? Yeah, stop. Okay. Okay. He thought I meant as a bit at the top. Okay, do you want to explain it now or wait till later? It's not a bit at the top. It's for my story. <laughs> <laughs> I used the wrong language. Uh, I was crying about country music. I don't know. Why do I have to keep justifying what I do to you? Well, I don't know what that is, and I'm excited to find out. Okay. But in the meantime... Just know that we're never going to look at it again, because I would have to go back through all your pictures right, to get to it. Right. So should we study it now? No. Okay. <laughs> well, here's Adolf Coors. Look at this guy. There's Adolf Coors. Pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> night when I put up a lineup of I put up a lineup of like three convicts and Karen was like I guess I'd pick that one (laughs) you don't have to pick one (laughs) I I'm permanently in sixth grade I can't I don't you line up three guy pictures and you have to marry one (laughs) I call that one that's Adolf Ad. Ad. Let's call him Ad. Let's call him Ad. A-D. Ad Rock. Okay. I, I wish that tie was a little wider, but <laughs> other than that, he's great. You're good with it. All right. So on the morning of February 9th, 1960, Adolf Coors gets into his station wagon and starts his normal drive from his home west of Denver to the brewery 12 miles away in Golden, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Sorry, really quick. He's, he is the heir to the Coors fortune and he drives a station wagon. I just want to say, keeping it real. Humble. Ad the third keeping it real <laughs> that's right later that day a milkman fi- he never makes it to work and later that day a milkman finds Coors abandoned station wagon on the dilapidated one lane Turkey Creek Bridge oh, that bridge is so scary <laughs> It's so dilapidated. It's so dilapidated. It's just like one car, so you got you know you have to wait for other cars. And every every monsoon season, they have to reweave it as a village. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Na- uh, National Geographic lately. Okay. Um, so they find the car and the engine still running and the radio's on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When investigators arrive, they find a large blood stain in the dirt, and in the creek below, they find a lens from Adolf Kors glasses and two hats. One is his baseball cap. He's also wearing a baseball cap. It's so down to earth. Oh. I know. And a pipe? I don't know. And whistling? Okay. Um, I mean... <laughs> and they also find a brown fedora, a mysterious brown fedora. I mean, when are brown fedoras not mysterious? True. Could he have been wearing the baseball hat over the fedora? Like, I'm going to go to work today and change it up at lunch yeah. and freak everybody out? Like, was he a fun-loving course? Maybe he was like, I'm going to show them that I wear a lot of different hats Omo- in this business, oh. in this company. And he has to hold his finger exactly like this. I'm going to show him. Get ready for this, guys. It's a play on words about the thing I put on intentionally. (laughs) The worst kind of comedy. Um, Okay, so the sheriff's department issued an all-points bulletin for uh, Adolf Coors, but no one reports seeing him. And the next morning, his wife receives a typed letter in the mail, and it's a ransom note that reads, Mrs. Coors, your husband has been kidnapped. His car is by Turkey Creek. We know. Um, (laughs) call Call the police or FBI, he dies. Cooperate, he lives. Doesn't it sound like the JonBenet Ramsey? Yeah, it does. It's creepy. Um, we have no desire to commit murder. All that we want is, here's my emphasis, that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all we want is that money. 
Deliver immediately after receiving call. Any delay will be regarded as a stall to set up a stakeout. If you follow the instructions, you will be, he will be released unharmed within 48 hours after the money is received. So, the letter's unsigned. The kidnapper's demand is half a million dollars for Coors safe return. And it instructs Mrs. Coors to take out a classified ad for a tractor in the Denver Post. And that's how he'll know that she received it. And she's like, let's do it. For, like, to sell a tractor? Yeah, like a trickeroo. <laughs> you know. Sure. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, sorry, that was the kidnapper's idea? Like The kidnapper was like, so I know you get this. Put an ad for a tractor. And don't put, I, I'm the... Hey, kidnapper. <laughs> Picture of a tractor. Please return my husband. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like, do that. No, part. it's like, be cool, be cool, be cool. Yeah. Be cool. Be cool like tractors are cool. Okay, yeah. great. Got it. Be cool. Yes. So the... Le- oh, da, 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 da. Okay. After the kidnapping and murder of the Lindbergh baby back in 1932... Oh, you don't have to tell me. I know that. I mean... <laughs> Did I get you wet? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> okay. That's what these oh, are Oh, we for. each have our own towel. I know. I took yours. I'm it's sorry. Great. It's like okay. Rocky. <laughs> When we finish up, whoo! Just put one under. (laughs) (laughs) That actually helped. Okay. Did you hear? (laughs) Just in case, just in case. In case you you spill your soup. Crumbs. (laughs) Oh man, I slept with so many tortilla chip crumbs in my bed last night. When I got out of bed this morning, it was like, oh, I'm gross. That's the the beauty of hotel living. What's the beauty of your husband can't come to this one weekend? Yeah, so you're like. Chip bed. Casting. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. You actually had, you put chips in the bed. We're like, Crunch. you guys, go Crunch. to sleep. I already told you. <laughs> Five more minutes. I'm turning out that light. <laughs> then she eats them real fast. <laughs> I thought everyone had the same eating disorder as me. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Anthropomorphize your Tostitos <laughs> with me. That's your new book. Sorry, I'm not talking anymore, and you are talking. <laughs> I love 17-hour energy drinks. <laughs> Promo code murder! Promo code! Call us, five-hour energy. Uh, okay, here's what happened. Okay, the, after the Lindbergh baby in the kidnapping in 1932, when we all know, we listened to Karen's story, the Lindbergh baby got killed uh, or was murdered, but kidnapping had become a federal offense. Great, that's a great idea. That is a good plan. So since then, um, so Adolf Coors, Adolf Coors Jr., Adolf the Three's father, called, Yeah. So Jr. called Three's father. Two. <laughs> Oops. Okay. <laughs> he calls up his best buddy, because remember, they're rich white men, uh, <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover, Ooh. personally. Okay. And he's like, yo, can you help me out, bro? Um, and he's like, hold on, let me take my slip off really quick. <laughs> oh. I'm not kink shaming. I wish he had done it more, and then he would have been less of a weird creep. <laughs> So the FBI, of course, like sweeps right in. They take over the investigation. The Coors family tells the investigators that they're, they'll do fucking anything to get their husband and father home safely. The family's worth millions, so money's not an issue. Let's fucking do this. They get the, ma- the ransom money together, and they buy the weird tractor ad that we don't really understand. <laughs> and they wait by the telephone for instructions on where to deliver it, but the kidnapper never contacts them again. So. Ooh, so that's not fair. No. 
I wonder, yeah, that's not cool. The FBI's document and analysis study, the type ransom note. <laughs> okay. They study the type <laughs> ransom note <laughs> and they dust it for fingerprints. They don't find any. And they, you know, they do the whole thing that we all know they do now, which is like, look for weird type thingies and be like, who, what manufacturer of typewriter is this? Let's go back and see who bought those in the past two months and stuff. Stuff we know, but like in 1960, I think that wasn't so common. Um, so they find, and they also know this, there's no typos or messed up keystrokes. So like this person's smart. So. <laughs> or a secretary. Right. Um, so the, they figure out the typewriter is from a manufacturer called Royalite Printable Typewriters. Mm-hmm. It's sold widely in department stores and other outlets throughout the U.S. <laughs> they start looking for the typewriter to match with this description. And meanwhile, they have a couple other leads to pursue. The most promising is one from a man who had seen a car parked near the kidnapping site on the day of the kidnapping. This dude had been near your favorite bridge, Turkey Creek Bridge. Oh, I just I can't even think about it. <laughs> Don't so cry. She's crying. Dilapidated one way. <laughs> So here's what he was doing uh, out there. He was guarding his mines. Yeah. Say, guarding his mines. He was a miner, and he was guarding his mines. Oh, I've actually, like, this is a really obscure photo I found of him. Wait, that's, no, wait, that's the ransom note. <laughs> He's really thin. I, I, was able, <laughs> I was able to find this really obscure photo of him. Nice. <laughs> Remember when I started... <laughs> <laughs> Remember in the airport this morning when I started cracking up and hit my laptop from you and go, don't look, don't look, don't look. And you're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing. That is because of this that. guy. <laughs> I try to tell Georgia over and over, like when I don't have my glasses on, you could, you could hold up the entire story and I wouldn't be able to read it. And still, anytime she's got something like this going, she's like, don't look. <laughs> I don't want to ruin a surprise. They don't work. <laughs> You're safe. So he's guarding his mind, as you do. Well, you want to talk about him some more? Well, no, I was just going to... Is that from like a sugar corn pops box or I something? Think it's like, like a Shutterstock. Help, help the miner get yeah. out of his... How to, to find Alfred Kors Yeah, I'm the sure third. it's illegal for me to have this. Yeah. And use it. And make shirts of it. But... <laughs> <laughs> you mean our new merch? Our new merch. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they went broke. They got sued they got, up the ass. They got sued by that little fucking miner. <laughs> but sorry, can I just ask, who was protecting his mines? He was. Who's he? The miner. I know. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Is this but a- where did the miner come from in the story? He's under the bridge? Yeah, he's like near the bridge. He's around. He's in and of the bridge and okay. the area surrounding the bridge. Okay. There's a, probably a mine right there, and he's, and he's there that day. <laughs> okay. Maybe there was a th- threat going on. I don't know. Maybe it was coyotes. I don't know. Somebody, somebody a coyote typed up a letter yes. to the miner. <laughs> you better watch that fucking mine. Yeah, I want to add it for a tractor. <laughs> Okay. So he, this dude had been hanging out there. Okay. Protecting his Protecting God, his God minds. Goddamn minds. With a big smile on his face. Uh-huh. Um, and he saw a car there. It was an early 1950s model of a Mercury sedan that was like bright yellow. And he had remembered part of the license plate because he was paranoid and fucking thought it was someone coming to disturb his minds. Sorry, but it's 1960 something, right? Yeah. 60. 
I mean, like, it, I'm sorry, aren't, isn't being a minor kind of old-fashioned? <laughs> is he well, like a time traveler? He, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> he, got, he would get angry when people would come to disturb his minds. <laughs> <laughs> Picture comedy. Best, best feeling I've ever had is when I found these photos. Oh, somebody was all over Getty Images just... <laughs> Cartoon minor, angry minor. Uh-huh. Do we have more? No. Oh. Sorry. I just, I just, that's it. Because there hasn't been a minor around here in 25 years. Oh. Oh. It's getting hacky. We need fresh ones. We need no, fresh it's ones. not. That's it. <laughs> that's just it. So he had the partial license plate. And the police find four Mercury sedans with that same partial license plate. The FBI checks all of them out, and one catches their attention. It's registered to a man named Walter Osborne, who had bought the car just a month earlier. And when they go to Osborne's apartment in downtown Denver, it's empty. Um, He'd moved out the day after the kidnapping and left no forwarding address. Mm -hmm. Guilty. So, a maid who cleaned his room said she had seen guns in his room and a paperback copy of Robert Travers' book, Anatomy of a Murder, is inconspicuously laying in the room. (laughs) What's interesting, uh, coincidentally, is that the cover of Anatomy of a Murder is that angry minor. (laughs) Isn't that weird and unnerving? (laughs) Sorry. The dumpster behind the apartment, the investigators find empty boxes for a pair of handcuffs and leg restraints. Um, agents dust the room for prints, and when they, they find prints, and when they run them, 1960 style, so I don't know how and where. They um, had eight other prints to check them against. Yeah. Uh, they, they match not a dude named um, Osborne, but a guy named Joseph Corbett. He's a 31-year-old man. He's a convicted killer, and he escaped from fucking prison. Whoa. Oh, shit. The cops are like, well, time to go to the bar, right? I mean, that's it. <laughs> yeah, free course? Sold. Let's go get our free course that we're going to get. <laughs> Um, so this dude, Joseph Corbett, he's actually a Fulbright scholar with a genius level IQ. It's like 150 or something. Nice. Hi. Hey. Yeah. Um, he attended University of Oregon. He had been on track for medicine. That's right. I mean... <laughs> He was on track for medical school, but then he got into a fight with, he had like picked up a hitchhiking Air Force sergeant and shot him Mm. in 1951. He claims it was self-defense, but the man had been shot in the back of the head. But you can always... (laughs) Wait, the man had been shot in the back. What do you mean? Yeah, but that guy pulled the gun real fast over his shoulder. (laughs) Self-defense. Got it. I'm just trying to explore all the options that are possible in criminology. (laughs) We're basically detectives. Yeah. So, he says it was to help defense. He's convicted for second-degree murder. He's incarcerated at San Quentin for a bunch of years. And during a prison transfer to a minimum security facility, he fucking escapes. That's right. And he makes his way to Colorado under that alias William Osborne. And he, like, for... He had been planning the kidnapping for like two and a half years. He was so angry at wealthy people and he wanted to be wealthy so bad he picked someone he could kidnap and get money and that was like his only fucking thing for two and a half years. Okay. But he didn't do a great job of it because he had like a yellow car that <laughs> he left the license plate on and he did all, and like the typewriter he did all of these things that were like not 
not a Fulbright scholar level <laughs> criminal. Hey, just because you get the Fulbright scholarship yeah. doesn't mean you have good taste in car colors. That's right. Those fools always, they'll fall for the yellow car. That's true. Oh, can I get that convertible Mustang in bright yellow? Yeah. Always, always spring for the, what, navy blue? Yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> navy blue with pinstripes. <laughs> So um, the landlord at the apartment identifies Corbett um, through his mugshot and the man, as the man who rented the apartment, and a resident at Corbett's rooming house tells the FBI he often heard Corbett typing late into the night, which was like I bet a lot of people did back then. But also, like, I had a, like a neighbor who typed all the time, and I bet, and it was the most fucking annoying thing in yes. the world. You're like, stop being a fucking hipster and get a laptop and stop clonking away on your fucking typewriter. You fucking hipster douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, sorry if you typewrite. Listen, if you typewrite, not past 10 o'clock, please. All right? Yeah, control your passions. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why the movie Atonement bugged me so much. Because, like, 11 minutes in, I was just like, someone cut the typing right now. <laughs> and it, that was, like, the theme throughout the no. whole thing. It's not good. It's not pleasant. No. Um, okay, so, and then so they, oh, they find the typewriter that, you know, they find the person who bought it, and he's like, yep, that's him, he bought it with cash, he gets fingered for it, it's totally him. Um, so the FBI puts out an all-points bulletin for Joseph Corbett's 1951 Mercury sedan, bright fucking yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, eight days later, 1700 <laughs> typewriter air sprayed on the, spray painted on the top. <laughs> Shit, that could have been great. <laughs> It's a Mercury Cougar. Yeah. And then someone has taken the spray paint. paint of some kind. Yeah. Whether it's spray or air, it's none of my business. <laughs> and painted a typewriter on the hood of a car is my joke. No, well, guess, don't, don't. I just so. No. <laughs> Getty Images number five. <laughs> yes. Um, and so 1,700 miles away, eight days later, in New Jersey, um, in Atlantic City, police find the yellow car burning in a dump. Oh. Yeah. And the interior is pretty destroyed, and there aren't any license plates on it. He finally figured out to take off the fucking license plate. <laughs> um, but the serial number, of course, identifies the car as belonging to Walter Osborne, a.k.a. Joseph Corbett. So investigators... Now, it's 1960, remember. And so they find four layers of soil on the car's undercarriage. And they... Um, because he's rich and white, they investigate further. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> no, okay. you deserve a swig of that water Thank for you. that comment. It's vodka. Yep. Okay. So they like test the fucking soil in 1960, which is like such a it seems like such a modern thing to do. And the most recent soil samples um, is obviously from New Jersey. The second layer is from a drive across the country. The oldest one, number four or number one, I guess. Um, that sample has is like is obviously from the Turkey Creek Bridge near Cora's Ranch. They can mm. tell it's all like the same. But then they they take a soil sample um, from the third one, and it's a it's okay. Listen, I'm going to read. Soil sample on top of the shale is from the area where Corbett took um, Adolf Cora's after the abduction. That's what they are hypothesizing. And there's all this granite flecked with pink feldspar and. They yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. That's a great indicator. 
Gator. Yep, yep, yeah. The feldspar is there. We know. We're from Denver. We've got the feldspar, everybody. It's there. (laughs) The FBI agents take 612 samples of dirt and soil from the Denver and surrounding areas, hoping to find a match, and they find it similar to Pike's Peak granite. You guys love granite. That, no, but that Pike's Peak is amazing granite. It will fuck you up. You know that's the name of a strain, right? Pike's Peak granite, yeah. it better be. Yeah. So um, it's, the, it's on the front range of the Rocky Mountains, about 10 miles west of Colorado Springs. But the... You love those springs. But um, the area's fucking huge and so they search everywhere from mines to to mines to houses and empty buildings but they come up empty Um, during the spring and summer of 1960 there's still no answers Coors 14 year old son Adolf number four they will not let it go (laughs) they they are determined to change the they're indignant yeah he recalls crying himself to sleep every night Eight months after the kidnapping, a man target shooting at a Douglas County dump discovers clothing. Dumps. They, no, they are fun. Sorry, dumps are great. The Douglas County dump is amazing, and you're right to cheer for it. You're right. It's got all those seagulls. Where did they come from? Inland? Um, so he's there target shooting, which sounds... Actually, really fun. <laughs> I love the dumps. I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> we also had coffee backstage, too. I'm sweating. Growing up in the country, we had to go to the dumps to get rid of our garbage. Right. There was no, like, civic services, or what do they call those? So we just, like, had a trailer, and you just kept throwing garbage bags That's... into it, and then my dad would be like, you want to go to the dumps with me? And the answer had to be yes. <laughs> Um, and sit the, with the trash. Yeah. And so you just, I would sit there and just scan when yeah. I would be sitting in the truck and he'd be sweeping out or just look out and scanning to see if I could see anything good. A body? You were looking for a body. I was, I want to say I was, but I would have gone for anything. <laughs> Any, a just, Cabbage Catch doll or something. Just a point of interest. Brand, cabbage Catch doll? <laughs> cabbage Catch doll? A Cabbage Catch doll. Oh, it's definitely the altitude. Yeah. That's what's great about this place, is you can blame everything on (laughs) weed or altitude. Um, So, this dude who's fucking shooting and shit, he finds clothes that match what Adolf Kors was wearing when he disappeared, I know. And an engraved penknife that belongs to Kors as well. Can you imagine, out of all the shit, he's like, oh, fuck. And that's really amazing. Well, probably it looked new. It probably looked like that just got left here. And a group of hunters find a human skull and bones scattered in the forest. Mm. There are two holes in the, in the shoulder blades caused by a high-speed projectile that corresponds with two holes that are found in the jacket that belonged to Coors. And um, the projectile had gone through the lungs and that had what, has what made it um, fatal. So the bones and skull are in pretty good condition, so they identify the reins with dental records and confirm the body belongs to Adolf Coors III. Isn't that fucking bananas? Yeah. How did I... How did we don't... It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> Um, so basically the FBI surmises that what happened was that, um, that Corba drove out to the secluded Turkey Creek Bridge. Oh yeah. You love it. Yeah. Um, to wait for Adolf Kors and of course like blocked, it was one lane so he just stopped, I guess. Yeah. That's why that bridge is so fucking scary. (laughs) 
anyone can stop you. Yeah. Um, And he made it look like he'd broken down, of course, the old fucking ruse. And then um, at some point, it seems like that Corbett was going to try to kidnap him and not, and like hold him for ransom for real, but he was really bad at crime, as we said. Yeah. And so he didn't expect Adolf Corbett to put up a fight. He fucking did. And it seems like he was running back towards his car when he got shot twice in the back. Uh. Yeah. Um, well, also, why would you? It's like I want to kidnap someone and someone that won't put up a fight. How about a captain of industry? Yeah. How about someone that's like a grown fucking man that's who's had like, so many vitamins in his life? Yeah. He's just gonna fight me. I mean, this isn't an argument for kidnapping smaller people. Uh, it is though. No, it is. <laughs> it is. Be smart about the people you grab. People who have um, iron poor blood. People who have bad bone density. People on Boniva. I'm just saying, help yourself. We can't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. It's a real DIY industry out there. <laughs> it really is. The kidnapping. Whoo! Yeah. Cut that, Stephen. Please. Uh, <laughs> please. Will not be held culpable. <laughs> we refuse. So, where was I? Okay, so they think he panicked and shot um, Adolf Kors. The geological evidence shows that Corbett drove to the Rocky Mountains, 45 minutes away, to dump the body. Um, and it was an area that that guy was familiar with as a hunter. He left town the next day, drove to New Jersey, set his fucking car on fire, and laidered out of there. So, he becomes like the most wanted man, obviously. I don't know what photos I have. Let's take a look. Oh, that's the bridge. That bridge. Holy shit, look at it. It's so scary. No, look away. <laughs> no, look back at it. <laughs> look at those old cars. Yeah. Those poor horses. And that bridge. Those horses are like, it, we've been waiting here for 45 minutes. It's like, <laughs> we got to get this bridge two-way. Two I think that's his, that's his car, that sedan, or the, what did I call it? Station wagon? The Maverick? No, that's pretty fucking sweet. God, that car looks a million miles long. How do you par- parallel park that thing? You don't. You're Jeez. a man. You just leave it in the middle of the street. <laughs> it's the 1960s. You don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then... You this just is- throw your keys to whoever's walking by. <laughs> Take care of that, will you? All right. <laughs> and this is the site where the, um, oh, his no. body was found. So it's just a pointless crime. It is a pointless death. Yeah, not to say that... <laughs> If he got the money, it would be No, 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 but I mean... Yeah. No, it's really awful. It's yeah. like they took this father of four, and from all accounts, he was this lovely man, like a wonderful husband and father, and this fucking asshole just did this because he was angry at society for his place in life, which was that he was a genius and fucked up. It wasn't even like he yeah. was poor and couldn't do shit. He was right. like, in college, God, get he, it together. I couldn't do that. I mean, he was that. such a great typist. <laughs> yeah. The world was his oyster. That's true. So, yes, totally. So, J. Edgar Hoover calls, the Cor- calls Corbett the most wanted man in America. Mm. Um, and for seven fucking months, Joseph Corbett successfully evades capture in one of the largest manhunts in American criminal history since John Dillinger. Wow. And yet I hadn't heard of it. History. Okay. <laughs> Finally, um, a woman in Vancouver, Canada, sees the U.S. press reports and calls the FBI, saying that a man matching his description is living in her apartment building. And she's like, I'm going to go stay in a hotel for a while. Did she? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I would. Either that or she'd be like, don't worry, I'll watch his door for you. Yeah. She's like, she's one of two kind of she people. She just has a gun pointed at it. <laughs> I got it covered. Yeah, yeah. I love her. Um... When the arrest is made in Vancouver, Corbett says, uh, I'm your man. I'm not armed. I surrender. 
and they shoot him twice in the back. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> During the trial, 23 FBI agents, five lab examiners, and a fingerprint expert testify for the prosecution. That means you're fucked. Um, <laughs> Joseph Corbett, of course, pleads not guilty. But on March 19, 1961, he's convicted of kidnapping and murder and sentenced to life in prison. No. <laughs> you guys are learning, finally. There was barely even one. I know. One, there was two hoots at the most. <laughs> no. no. I just yelled at you. So here, here's what you guys do. In Colorado law, I don't know if it's still happening or what, but there can't be a death penalty case unless there's an eyewitness or a confession. So this case doesn't have either, so he doesn't receive the death penalty. Um, and he just gets life. <laughs> there's a bunch of lawyers start talking very loudly right now about how that law Objection. Uh, actually, uh, the way it is now is... <laughs> tell us after tell us after yeah or don't um, <laughs> I'm kidding uh, so he gets life in um, prison which we know means 19 years yeah. in prison <laughs> he's paroled in July of 1979 after serving 19 years wow yeah he, I know he finds work in a manufacturing plant in Denver and then as a truck driver for the Salvation Army and he just like becomes a fucking recluse and like doesn't talk to people but it seems like he might have been that way all, already like there might have been something going on that he was this weird person who couldn't like exist in society yeah like I, kidnapping as, say that yeah, yeah. um as uh, evidence of that. So reporters try to get him to tell his side of the story. They're fucking so hungry for his story. He refuses until 1996. He finally talks to a pair of Denver Post reporters and he tells them all about his childhood fascination with the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Oh. And it happened when he was, he was a kid and he like, couldn't stop reading about it. He was obsessed with it. And that's then he, weird. God, that's wrong and weird. <laughs> Shouldn't right. do that. Oh, right, right, right. That, what a freak. <laughs> <laughs> And then he denies his involvement in the Coors murder. He continues to say he didn't do it. Yes. You know, like, then don't talk about the Lindbergh baby, dude. Like, yeah. Come on. You just don't sound. He claims he's innocent. On August 24th, 2009, wow. what's that, 10 years ago, the manager <laughs> at the Royal Chateau Apartments, which is college, I wrote this all in an email that I meant to fucking write down. College village? No. It's right in College Village. You know where um, that Paquito Moss is? Do you have that here? Chick Chipotle? Shit. Yes. What's national? <laughs> Not Chipotle. What's? <laughs> um, at the Royal Chateau Apartments, where the now 80-year-old reclusive uh, Joseph Corbett lived for more than 25 years, his body is discovered in his bed. He had shot himself in the head. He's 80 years old. Jesus. I know. And he didn't leave a note, and no one came to claim his body. Isn't that crazy? So the murder of Adolf Coors... Do I have one? Oh, I think I have a photo of him that I forgot. There he is. Oh. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Thoughts? Feelings? There we go. <laughs> More? No, no. I just... I can't think of anything, and <laughs> that's a bad sign for me. <laughs> Um, the, case, the murder of Adolf Coors is one of the first high-profile cases in this country where soil evidence was critical to the prosecution of the case, and the kidnapping and murder is one of the most notorious crimes in Colorado history, and that is the kidnapping of Adolf Coors. Wow. That's great. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> 
Here are the people that are clapping. <laughs> if you want to take in the visual aspect and not just the audio. It's more like, look who isn't clapping. Clap your hands. <laughs> yes. It's shaming it's... non-clappers. I see you. I'm pretty sure I saw a guy sleeping in the front row yesterday at the I show. I hope so. I swear that I, I kind of looked at him and then I look back and he's out, but I think his wife had fucking elbowed him. <laughs> and I'm not, it's really rough when you can see well. It sucks. <laughs> The thing is that sometimes you can only sleep at a, like a 4,000 seat venue. It, it, it's something about the acoustics. Yeah. It's like a melatonin. Those dulcet tones of people screaming shit from the audience. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay, uh, what are you doing? Well, so many of you probably already know this, but I'm about to do the story of the Colorado cannibal, Alfred oh. Packer. know this that's what it's not worth it to go all the way back but the ravenous movie poster uh -uh. that i showed you featuring uh the wonderful guy pierce and robert carlisle from train spotting and then out of left oh. field oh we got what? ourselves a fucking Jesus. guy visual oh, person you. is on point oh my god good job thank highly you. professional it's almost like you guys have had shows here before yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, all right and that's, you wouldn't believe it, but it's David Arquette over on the left-hand side. Oh. Uh-huh. It's 1999. Um, okay. And this was a, this was a dramatized version, basically, of the story I'm about to tell you. Okay. But there, that's, this is the reason I know about this story, is because I saw this movie. Oh, really? In 1999. Um, and every year since then. I know. <laughs> is it your favorite? And then the ritual began. <laughs> When I would eat human flesh and watch Ravenous <laughs> laughing. It is good. He was right. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. You made me say it. I didn't want to tell him. Uh, oh, but so I would, sor I would cite Ravenous as the one, but I would say the initial source, but then obviously our best friend Wikipedia. And there's a podcast um, called Colored Red by someone who only refers to herself as Laura. So there's no one wow. else, nothing else I can say. That's bold. But it's a podcast about the lesser known crimes and murders that have shaped the history of Colorado. Oh. Yeah. So cool. you should listen to that because there's good information. Um, so, uh, 
Okay, so let's talk about Alfred Alfred Packer's early life. Now, this is a the funny in piece of information that I did get from that podcast. Um, Alfred Packer had. This is, this makes him probably my favorite person of all time, including every family member I have. <laughs> Alfred Packer apparently had a tattoo of his own name that was misspelled. No! Yes. Oh, my heart. My heart. No. Yes. How did it, how was it Alfred, spelled? Alfred. A-L-F-E-R-D. Shit. So oftentimes in articles, he's called Alfred Packer. Oh, wow. But they're like, his name was Alfred Packer. But then people are like, you know. No, oh, that's well, not what that says, you yeah, idiot. He's the one that said it. Yeah. We got to go by what two drunk uh, I, uh, minors. <laughs> this is also a minor base. No way. Yes, it is. Holy shit. I knew a dude in my 20s, of course, who was in a band and got the name of the, ta- the tattooed name of the band on his wrist and they spelled it wrong so he changed the name of his band to oh, what was smart yeah that's good he should have done that just changed his name that, and then started a band yeah <laughs> okay so Alfred and Fred Packer was born on January 21st 1842 in Pennsylvania to James and Esther Packer he's one of three children in the early 1850s they move to LaGrange County Indiana you oh, know Indiana <laughs> So that he can, uh, the dad can become a cabinet maker. Um, and then it said, as a teenager, Alfred fought with his parents and ended up moving out on his own to Minnesota, <laughs> which is such an act of rebellion. <laughs> like, fuck you, you don't understand me. I'm gonna move to Minnesota <laughs> alone. I'm 15. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> he did it. Our boy Alfred did it. So he gets he goes out there. He gets a job as a shoemaker. Your favorite? <laughs> uh, let's take a look at who we're talking about here. Okay. Oh, ah. shit. That guy is not fucking around with the facial hair and the cheekbones. That guy's like, it'd be really cool if you come see my band this Thursday. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't not wear that outfit is all I'm saying. He's got a quality about him. It's like... I'm sorry, did you move out to Minnesota when you were like 15? Because you're amazing. And is this one of those uh, after-death photos? Because you're also kind of creepy. Because you're kind of chill you're to the point of... Creeping me out. Well, you know what it is? <laughs> his dead, eyes, dead eyes? Yes. His eyes look like that thing you get at like a Halloween store where like you walk by and it's normal and then you look again and it has like demon eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just has demon eyes, yeah. I think. Great. Love him. Great bow tie. Alfred. Alfred. Doing it. So here's what he does. April 22nd, 1862, enlists in the Union Army to be in the Civil War. But he gets honorably discharged eight months later because he has epilepsy. Oh, man, he's your buddy. He's my best friend. <laughs> um, he has the kind that, uh, that is, I feel very bad, because he basically ha- had uncontrolled epilepsy. Obviously, that <laughs> times have changed. Well, I mean, controlled epilepsy, if you can control it. Yeah, and I can. Nah. Power, thank you. Um, also, just an FYI, if anybody ever has an epileptic seizure around you, don't put anything in their mouth. Oh, yeah. Don't put anything in their fucking mouth. <laughs> Stay away from their mouth. And if your friend goes, I think you're supposed to put a wallet in her mouth, don't fucking put a wallet in my mouth. 
I should be saying this to you. Also, <laughs> someone says, put a handful of pennies in her mouth and make a wish. Do not let them do that. Don't put that in my head. Stop, don't. Now that's my only tr- one dream in life, is to cram pennies in your mouth while you're... Don't, also, don't put in a, co- a cob of corn and watch me chew it off like a cartoon crow. Oh, stop t- enticing me with a Sorry. good time. This is, I read this off an epilepsy pamphlet, and it's always <laughs> been my rules. Oh, damn it. You, have, you can put anything in my mouth when I'm having a seizure. <laughs> I did not mean for that to sound gross. It's your own, it's in your own You're head. You're filthy. You guys, it's not that kind of podcast. We talk about I'm cannibalism. Like, not, yes. We're trying to talk about cannibalism, not blowjobs. So <laughs> come on. People's parents are here. Tighten it up. Okay. So. Okay. Epilepsy, once again, comes into are. our lives. So. His thing is he won't not be in the army. So he moves to Ottumwa, Iowa, and on June 25th, 1863, uh, sure, um, <laughs> he tries to enlist again, and this time he actually ends up serving for almost a year, but then he, he has a seizure every two days, oh. so they're like, buddy, <laughs> and he gets discharged again. So now he's unemployed, he moves out west, he finds various odd jobs working as a wagon teamster, a ranch hand, a field worker, and a hunter. I think that's a, isn't that a nursery rhyme? (laughs) All four of them are in a boat. Oh yeah. (laughs) Going down a river. Okay. (laughs) His seizures begin to uh, continue to hamper his work performance, but his coworkers also say he has a bad attitude, he's rude, he's known as a thief and a liar, and he's highly argumentative. I mean, the seizures we can deal with. (laughs) Don't be a dick. Just, yeah. You know? Now we're going to stick all kinds of shit in your mouth when you're having a seizure, because you deserve it. That's why you got to zip the lip. All right. So part of that, the reason he moved from job to job is because people were just like, get this asshole out of here, and then they would. Okay, wait, and for example of that, let's, here's another look he has. Oh, God. You're All working right. with this guy, and he's just like, um, that's not how you do it. And you're like, uh, we need to get rid of this guy. I'm not kidding. This fucking hat, I can't look at it one more day. Okay. Okay, enough. So I wish you wouldn't. I wish you'd stop. Um, <laughs> thank you. He gets a job as a wilderness guide, but uh, he isn't good at it. <laughs> That's not one you want to be bad at. Yeah. I don't know where we are now. I'm sorry, I'm not that good at this job. Yeah, it's the only part of the job. You yeah. have to know where to go, yeah. and he doesn't ever. Wow. And he wears that fucking hat. So people are just like, take it off. I'm not kidding. You we don't won't follow it. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, he ends up working as a miner in Colorado oh my under God. a bridge <gasps> that's haunted. Really? Was that bridge haunted? It's probably. Okay. Definitely. Um, okay. So he does. he's a miner in Colorado, then also in Utah. And then in, in November of 1873, a group of about 20 men who are working at that mine, um, they decide they're going to leave the Bingham Canyon mines near Salt Lake City and trek to great minds there, trek to Breckenridge, <laughs> Colorado. Yeah, Breckenridge, you guys are a big part of this story, so get ready to hoot and holler for yourselves. <laughs> it's all you, it's all you tonight. 
<clears throat> okay. This team is led by a man named Bob McGrew, and he had gotten word that Breckenridge was teeming with gold. So, obviously, gold rush time, gossip would get around, and they'd be like, did you hear? Breckenridge. Oh, my like, God. You don't even believe that. They are shitting gold in Breckenridge. Get out there. Like, you don't even know. And then it takes them seven months to find out that it was a prank, or you're like, shit. <laughs> It was a ruse the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Um, so they, it's the group of people, they don't know each other that well, but they're all like, but we're, let's go get that money. But I trust you implicitly with my life. Yes. Let's do this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more uh, greedy than trusting. No, was, uh, <laughs> strike two for me. Um, uh, okay, so they decide they're going to go. So 25 miles into that journey, they run into Alfred Packer <laughs> near Provo, Utah. Scary. Um, uh, Provo, Utah. And when they tell him where they're headed, he asks if he can go, because he says he knows the San Juan Mountain region very well. Mm. And they're like, well, this is perfect. We got a little guy in a little hat, and he's going <laughs> to tell us exactly how to get to Gold City, USA. They're fucking, that's where the high five was invented. It all happens in that moment. <laughs> lies, lies, lies. Um, but they are hesitant to let him join as Alfred has no money, uh, no food. He's not bringing anything to the table in terms of like, we're going to pool all our stuff and get there. Yeah. He's like, yeah, and I'm going to eat your stuff and then <laughs> take up a lot of space. Um, <laughs> Uh, and his supposed knowledge of the region uh, giving him this big leg up um, he actually didn't know the territory at all yeah. so that was just a bold faced lie he's so bad at leading people places yeah. when will they learn and, and why does he want to keep going to that, to that area yeah it's like somebody that's like I just want to do theater and it's like don't do it you're bad at it don't there he is. Uh, I think he would be played by Ben Kingsley, don't you think? Oh, very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. <laughs> so, um, dude, dude, mm -hmm. it's, I think that five hour energy is shutting my eyes down. <laughs> These words. Are you sure? I've got bionics vision now. Really? Uh-oh. I can see everything. Did you take my vision? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stood up. Uh, uh, okay, they let him join the party. They head down the Mormon Trail towards Colorado. So it isn't long before they begin to regret that decision, of course. <laughs> He's, uh, Alfred spends much of his time complaining and mm. arguing with the other guys. They're on a fucking, like, uh, like what, 200-day hike. Ugh. And they and then asshole that no one actually knows and isn't helping you comes guys, along. This, this is so boring. There's too much uphill. Nah. My shoes got dirty. Are we there yet? <laughs> All right. Probably. That's what exactly probably what happened. Uh, he also hogs the food and water rations for himself. <laughs> um, Come on. He also doesn't seem to know the area, as we said. And, of course, every so often, he has a seizure and freaks everybody out. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, that's not his fault, but, like, again. <laughs> but but still. Don't be a dick right. about it. If, if you're going to have seizures, bring your own, like, donkey. or so, You know yeah. what I mean? Like, bring... Something to the table. Make make up for the lack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're gonna hang, make, drive everybody down. Right. How about some fresh oranges? <laughs> you know, something like that. Eat one less can of beans <laughs> than everyone else. Yeah. And stop arguing me about every single fucking thing around the campfire. Right. 
Okay, so um, he slows down their progress, and then to make matters worse, weather conditions are growing more severe. Snow starts to um, pile on the trail. They can't; their wagons can't go um, a steady pace, and soon the trail is almost completely snowed over. They lose their way. They run out of food, of course, forcing them to resort to eating horse feed uh, to stay alive. I've done it. It's not the worst thing that can happen to you. <laughs> what is it like? Is it like bird seed? No. I don't know. <laughs> bird seed? I don't know any horses. It's, well, it's not. With the one, with the food we fed uh, Lady, my uh-huh. Aunt Jean's horse, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's oats. It's different versions of oats. And you, your sister forced you to eat it when you were a kid? <laughs> Probably. I bet. Or I was just walking around by myself like, I wonder what this tastes no like. No one can do anything. <laughs> I can eat anything I want. A whole egg. Oh, oh. My sister. <laughs> Whatever I Fine. My sister, when she was like a toddler, once my mom watched her pluck a snail off a plant and put it into her mouth. No. How old? Like a toddler, like a baby. Fifteen. <laughs> I'm not going to out my sister on this one. <laughs> Shockingly, she had great taste. She liked escargot at a young age. So. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, out of food. And as that, as that even starts to run out, the group considers... You okay? No. Nope. Want me to read it to you? Oh, you know what it is? It's that shadow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Focus on the problem and solve it. Don't adjust to the problem and let it stay. So we're going to have to add five-hour energy to our writer, I right? Mean, and our, every fucking show, it's crapping because this is the best show we've ever done! <laughs> You're sweet. There's a oh, couple. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple people out in the audience that are like, "Yeah, no, it's not. It's not." Okay. Um, okay. Uh, the group does eventually consider killing and eating their horses to survive. Oh, That's how don't. bad it gets. That's so nice, though. <clears throat> well, <laughs> like I'm surprised to hear that. Um, I can't guarantee they didn't. Let's go with they didn't. Let's okay. say they didn't. Let's say they didn't. Let's say they actually took their own jackets off and put them on the horses. Aww. There's nothing like sadder than a horse standing in snow. That's so sweet of them. Yeah. Okay. We can just write a whole fan fiction about this story. And <laughs> <laughs> never get to the cannibalism. Okay. Miraculously. Mm. Oh man. I'm gonna need some pronunciation help on this. I should have gotten I should have taken care of this before the show, but I was straightening my hair. Okay. Miraculously on January 21st, 1874, they stumble upon a Native American encampment near Montrose, led by Chief Led by <laughs> Chief Aure. Yure. Yure. Then why does it say our? <laughs> Literally, O-U-R-A-Y. Spell it like you say it, Chief Ure. Okay. So Chief Ure, who I have not heard of before, uh-huh. he, was, he was known as the white man's friend. So apparently he was a friendly, like, helpful, here's another group of dumbass white people. Let me <laughs> Let's let take me them for all them. we can, because yeah. they're so stupid. Get them out of the snow, help them out once again. Um, so he welcomes the group into his um, camp, giving them food and much-needed hospitality. He tells them conditions are far too harsh for them to continue on and offers to let them stay in his encampment until spring. 
they're like, great. And then uh, like a few weeks into their stay, they're like, we got to get out of here. We got to go get that gold. And uh, they believe that that everyone else is heading to Breckenridge and that they're going to miss out. Everyone else is going to get the gold before them. It's that fear of missing out. Yeah. There's massive FOMO about Breckenridge. (laughs) Eleven men um, decide to brave the winter conditions and push on toward Breckenridge anyway. Mm -hmm. So... Chief Ure is like, no, no, don't go. And uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> and they were like, no. It was basically like when you're trying to get keys away from a drunk person, they're fucking fighting you and then being really shitty. And then you're like, here's your fucking keys. Good luck tonight. <laughs> you know, you can only fight for so long. Um, because the men wouldn't be swayed. He gave them food and he gave them directions. He said, follow the Gunnison River um, back toward, right, toward the destination instead of going through the mountains. That, that's the best way. Um, Alfred, however, because he got to be Alfred, he insists that they travel through the mountains, arguing that, yes, the weather is bad, but it's still the most direct route to They listen to this asshole instead of fucking our chief yeah. over here? Yeah, they're like, oh, this guy has given us everything and has lived here since it started. Um, <laughs> So he kind of knows all about it. Oh, and then there's this asshole we all hate. I got to go with this guy. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what they do. And... (laughs) So Alfred convinces five of the 11 men to come with him. And on February 9th, they set out through the mountains. So um, they're journeying through... uh, This team consists of Shannon Wilson-Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Butcher Miller, George California Noon. No. Yes. Um, he was shaped like the state of California. <laughs> <laughs> Weird bend in the middle. Um, and Israel Swan, uh, who I believe was in his 60s. So they estimate it's going to take them 14 days to complete this 75-mile journey. Unfortunately, they're ill-equipped. They have no heavy winter clothing. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, let's just kind of do this blizzard thing and see what happens. Um, They have no uh, flint to start fires. Mm. They have no snowshoes. Mm. So all they have between them is two rifles, a pistol, some knives, a hatchet, and a little bit of ammunition. And chutzpah. (laughs) Everyone knows that's the most important thing when you're walking through a fucking blizzard. They're like, we're going to stab and shoot the snow. Okay, do what you want. (laughs) Sounds good. The remaining six men who don't listen to Alfred follow the river, but then they wind up running out of food, too. Uh-huh. It's just a bad time to travel. Sure. As Chief Ure fucking said yeah. about 50 times. Yeah. Okay, so they are rescued by cowhands at the government, camp cat, uh, government cattle camp near Gunnison. Um, and those guys... We love your cattle camp. It's like <laughs> homey, but fancy. Yeah. And they have the best oats. So they, those guys who didn't listen to Alfred stay at the cattle camp um, until April. Okay. Uh, until all the storms have passed. So cut to less than two months later. So the guys that were, they go down the river, mm-hmm. they starve, and then the cowhands find them, and then they go off and they're rescued. Great. And then there's Alfred and the five idiots that listen to him. <laughs> they're like, we'll just go straight. Let's power through it. We're fine. Yeah. Um, we'll turn the radio up loud and smoke, and we'll get through it. <laughs> so... 
a little less than two months later, on April 16, 1874, Alfred Packard comes stumbling out of the forest across a frozen lake and over to the Los Pinos Indian Agency near Saguash. Saguash. I think you got it. Saguash. Squash? Squash. Squash? Near Squash, Colorado. <laughs> Squash gourds. Um, <laughs> will one person just say it? Saguash. 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 Sorry. I'm sorry. You're saying this is pronounced Saguash? S-A-G-U-A-C fucking H-E. Oh, the whole world, the, it's all silent. The whole last half is silent of it. <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm never saying that city name again. I'm so fucking mad. Sawash, you fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, so this guy shows up, right, alone. Our boy, Alfred. I'm sure the hat's gone by now. He's bloodied, he's alone, and he has a big story to tell. He bursts through the doors of the agency mess hall, disheveled, he has rags wrapped around his feet, his rifle, a knife, a steel coffee pot, and his satchel, that's it. And the men in the mess hall, they, they run to him, they tend to him, they feed him, give, they put on dry clothes on him, and he drinks some whiskey and tells them what happened. So he tells them that um, he'd gotten snow blindness along the trail as they were going on, and he was starting to lag behind. And um, since they didn't want to get slowed down anymore, Israel gave him a shotgun to protect himself, and then the rest of the men went on their way basically abandoning him. So he says he slowly made his way through the mountains for just over two months, miraculously managing to survive on tree roots and rosebuds. Oh. Liar, liar. Yeah, those winter roses that are so common, <laughs> coming up from the ground through this snow like a fucking seal video, okay. <laughs> I guess we have to believe you. So the men at the agency find the story odd, of uh-huh. course, and uh, as Alfred did not appear ravaged or skinny, um, as someone in that position would be, his cheeks are actually kind of puffy, and he oh. seems... Are they fat shaming him? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we think you might have some liver issues, because this... Um, Uh, his body seemed far from starved even still they let him stay there for 10 days Um, they bought his rifle off him for $10 which is the equivalent of 900 221 that's right Um, today's money 221 so that he could afford to get back home to Pennsylvania he was just saying like I just need to get out of here or whatever so they're like good we'll help you because we fucking hate you like everyone else does (laughs) um so at the end of his stay there, Alfred sets out um, for Saguash proper uh, to purchase supplies, and then he's going to leave for Pennsylvania. He stays um, at Dolan's Saloon, which is run by, of course, owner Larry Dolan. Sure. <laughs> Larry Dolan, who could that could be a more 2019 name. Yeah, we're like in the middle of all that, like Jeremiah, and, you know, <laughs> Alfred, and of Jebediah. course, there's Larry Dolan with his bolo tie. He's from Boston. He doesn't. <laughs> fuck around um okay so he uh so dolan notices that despite alfred's story about falling on hard times he is spending a lot of money 
about $100 total during his stay oh, there. He's stoked to be alive. And he's just like spending it up. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you could say that. Okay. But he, during his stay, he spent $100, which is the equivalent of $2,214. Wow. So he was wasting money. Yeah. Um, much of it was spent on booze and drinking. He was drinking heavily throughout his stay. Um, and as he drinks, of course, he starts getting loose-lipped. Uh. So he's telling and retelling the story of him coming out of the wilderness. But it's changing, uh-huh. of course. Um, and then the story becomes that he became, quote-unquote, detached from the other men rather than them abandoning him. So it's, now it's some more of his idea. Yeah, I got yeah. I had to get away. I'm a lone wolf. You know, I can't be around a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, several other of the saloon goers noticed that Alfred is um, not only does he have a bunch of money he's, he uses a bunch of different wallets huh you, I think men love that though like in one <laughs> night if you use four different wallets yeah. at the bar you look cool eel skin yeah I mean just stupid criminals tonight that's yeah. what the fucking yes. theme of this show is not thinking things through no so he's a sloppy drunk and a big timer so <laughs> <laughs> um, he at one point offers to lend Larry Dolan the, the saloon owner hotel and saloon owner um, $300 which is the equivalent of $6,000 and Larry's like I'm just gonna write your name and number down here cause you're a huge red flag so a day or two into Alfred's stay there a member of the original team um, that had stayed at Chief Ure's encampment named <laughs> Preston Nutter. <laughs> oh, that, no. Yes. Preston Nutter. Poor guy. He would be played by like a Patrick Wilson type where he'd be like real, all his uniform is perfectly clean mm-hmm. where it's like, what? It's the gold rush. How are you clean? <laughs> it's me, Preston Nutter, here to straighten things out for everybody. <laughs> So Preston Nutter arrives at Dolan's, and uh, when he asks Alfred what happened to the rest of the crew, Alfred changes the story once more, telling him that he was um, warming his feet over the fire when the rest of the group went off in search of food, and he says Israel left him with the rifle in case anything were to happen, but then the group never came back. And he thought they abandoned him, so he set off without them. But of course, Preston Nutter is no fool. He doesn't buy the story, and he knows that those men are not the type that we're just going to leave their own guide in the mountains by himself. You, they always say you can't fool a nutter. <laughs> fool a nutter once, <laughs> fluff or nutter twice. <laughs> That's just sound matching. That's not good comedy. Um, okay. The problem is I can't, my eyes won't go back to the place they were. <laughs> what kind of drug addiction is that? Um, okay, so he doesn't buy it. He also questions where Alfred's getting all the money from, but it's when he notices that Alfred has Frank Butcher Miller's pocket knife that mm. Preston confronts him. He's just like, this is all wrong and something happened. The two men get into a heated argument. Nutter threatens to hang Alfred. Um, they're finally separated before a full-on fight breaks out. Um, during this time, two of the men who had taken the Gunnison River path, um, suggested by Chief Ure, arrive at the Lispinus Indian Agency where Alfred had stayed a couple days before. Mm-hmm. And 
um, th those th remaining three men from that group um, join them a few days later. And when they get there, all the agency men tell them what happened to Alfred and how he was abandoned. And all of them are like, no, 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 that's not true. Knowing Alfred is a liar and an epileptic and an asshole. Um, <laughs> in that order um, <laughs> they know that they're the guys they knew or not wouldn't abandon anybody and that that Alfred was a liar um, so they convinced the head of the agency General Charles Adams that Alfred must be brought in for questioning so Adams sends one of his men to go um, to Sawash to retrieve Alfred <laughs> through trickery and so Alfred's told that they, he, this guy shows up and he's like, you have to come and join the search party. We have to go find these guys. You want and the lottery? Come back, come back here? <laughs> yes. For a free cruise. Come back to Sawash for back. a cruise. Um, <laughs> uh, so he goes. Yeah. And then once he's there, they all question him. And they basically are like, you, we need to get this story straight from you. So all the men he traveled with, plus General Adams, question him and pick a story apart. Alfred sticks with the story that the money came from the man in Sawash who'd given him, given it to him as a loan. Um, so to confirm this, one of the agency members rides back to Sawash to find that man. They're like, fine, we'll track it down. Mm -hmm. There's no man. That guy doesn't exist. Um, and then he, that guy who, who went there hears from witnesses that Alfred was there also using different wallets. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was really flossing with those wallets <laughs> in every town that he visited. Um, so the agency officer rides back and confronts Alfred about the lie. And they set up a kind of a trial. Um, and with the officers and General Adams serving as the judge and the jury. And then in the middle of the trial, um, which is great for storytelling, but I highly doubt happened chronologically. <laughs> um, but still, leave it alone because it's better for the story. Um, two Ute tribesmen arrive at the agency with a shocking discovery. They have strips of white man's meat that they found nearby. Oh no. Yes. So now Alfred breaks down crying and confesses that he was forced to eat his companions for survival. Oh man. Right. Okay, so Alfred explains that he and the group ran out of food rations very quickly and they subsisted on roots and rosebuds. <laughs> Sticking with that one. Huh? That's like a Disney fairy princess. Yeah. Like, we'll eat rosebuds for breakfast. <laughs> uh, but it still wasn't enough, and then one day Alfred goes out to find Firewood, comes back to find the other four men standing around the body of Israel Swain, who is the oldest man, and um, uh, Alfred, who's just as desperate for a meal as the other ones were, agreed to eat Israel, because they were all, they were like, are we going to do this? It's back. Um, he says they also found several thousand dollars on Swan and agreed to split it between themselves. So that's where the money came from. Um, and then once they ran out of food from Swan, the rest of the men decided together that they would eat whoever died next. Ooh. Right. Now this is, in a, it, I also did the Donner Party um, when we were in, I think, Salt Lake City. Yeah. It's very, yeah, there's a lot of parallels, obviously. Um, Donner Party was uh, 27 years um, before. Okay. So they were the original. They did it first. <laughs> this guy's a rip-off artist. <laughs> But that was one of the things in that, it was people that were so desperate and they were like, most people were sick and dying. So yeah. like the eating of uh, human flesh was just like one last final attempt. Yeah. It wasn't like, we're gonna eat some human flesh and then I'm close enough to stumble out of the forest yeah. and be at, at a, a camp. Like, so. 
Um, he basically says that they just kept eating whoever would die. And then at the end, it was him and Shannon Wilson Bell, and that Bell tried to kill him, so he had to kill Bell first, and then eat him, Mm. (laughs) and then walk walk, uh, (laughs) about a mile to uh, total civilization. Um, So some of the men still don't believe Alfred, and General Adams, for some reason, trusts him. Um, So to to settle everyone's minds, Adams asks Alfred to lead them all out to the spot where the killings happened. And he does it, but he gets lost. Now, this is the part, (laughs) right? If anything else happened, we would be surprised. (laughs) It's right over here. Uh, It might have been over there. Um, You ate people. Why don't you remember where it happened? But in the movie Ravenous, this scene is incredibly intense because the looking for the bodies turns into the lookers being hunted by Alfred. And it's super, it's it's a good movie, but it's not totally factual, but it's so good and there's like death caves with bones. (laughs) I've got got to wrap this up. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now I have to find my goddamn place again. <laughs> Why? Why? Um, okay, so uh, he's, he's like, I don't know where to go. This doesn't look right, or whatever. <laughs> I lost it again. One of the men from the original team gets angry, calls Alfred a liar, and then so they just have to go back. They're like, oh, we can't find it. We have to go back. On the way back to the agency, Alfred attacks that man with a knife and um, it is about to murder him when the other people catch him. And so it's, Dude. It, it, it basically indicates that maybe he was, it wasn't a desperate measure. Yeah. Um, maybe there's other stuff going on with him. So he's arrested, and while in custody, he changes his story about what happened several more times. No one believes anything he says anymore. He's jailed by the sheriff just outside of town. So then in August of the same year, um, a man named John Randolph is walking through the mountains, <laughs> like a fool, um, <laughs> two miles southeast of Lake City, Colorado, where he happens upon a horrifying sight. Because waiting under the now-melted snow were the bodies of the five missing men from Alfred's party. They had been dumped in a gulch beneath the pines, and they, and they were all brutally mutilated, flayed, skinned in certain areas, with the meat parts gone from the body. And here... No. Are you ready? No. It's like a happy minor this time? No, this is... <laughs> no. They sent out an illustrator no. to go draw it because they wanted it kept. Eyes down, children. Eyes down, children. Oops, no. that's a map. That is a horrifying scene. Is anyone barfing yet? Are you freaking out? Alfred. You, what? You spelled it, Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, no. beautiful. Gorgeous. Oh, so much land back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. That's what it looked like. Oh, man. For the people in the back, it's fucked up. <laughs> that sucks, and that sucks. Yeah. And that shit. Okay. So, meanwhile, this whole time, Alfred's been in jail um, without any formal charges brought against him. They're just holding him. Mm -hmm. So, most people thought he had done something nefarious, but there were other taxpayers in (laughs) Sawash County who were frustrated that their tax dollars were being wasted on a man who hadn't even been charged with anything. So, somebody goes and brings him a key to the jail. No. And he escapes. 
No. Which is such intense activism, even back then. <laughs> We're just like, not, not in my backyard, not with my tax dollar. Okay, Aunt Marie, Jesus. <laughs> So he escapes um, before the bodies are found. Yeah. So when when uh, the authorities go to officially charge him, <laughs> that's when they discover he's gone. Because they have him there for so long, they kind of stop paying attention to him. <laughs> um, so then they had to put out this reward. Oh, yeah. Sir. Cannibal. The skulls really bring it home. Yeah. Does that skull have an eye patch? Because why would you need it? Yeah. Or is it a little cute hat that's on the side? Hard to say. It is difficult to say. (laughs) (laughs) I said all that. Reward poster. Okay. On March 11th, 1883, a man named Jean Frenchy Cabazon. This is the one I was waiting for. Frenchy comes into the scene. One of the original members of the expedition group to Breckenridge, and he's, he is coming through Cheyenne, Wyoming, and, oh my God, is that everybody from Wyoming? <laughs> the whole state came to the show. Thank you. On horseback, you say? <laughs> Bareback? With your periods the whole time? <laughs> yes. Call back. Call back. Um, so this guy, Frenchy, uh-huh. Jean Frenchy Cabazon, he comes into Cheyenne and he's like, there's somebody's like, oh yeah, you should talk to Bob over there. And he's like, that's fucking Alfred. He knows it immediately. Oh. So he grabs Alfred and brings him back to Denver where he gives an, yet another confession. This one he signs on March 16th, 1883. In this new account, Alfred says that Bell told him to go find food and while he was gone, Bell killed all the other men. Okay, dude. And then when Alfred comes back, he finds Bell eating one of the men okay. and a fight between them breaks out and Alfred um, winds up killing Bell in self-defense. I bet that's what happened. I bet that is what happened, but the places are reversed. Because you know, like, yeah. that's the best lie is just say what actually oh. happened, but just switch, like, two people. Then you can retell it a thousand times. Again, criminal coaching from this <laughs> podcast. Okay. <laughs> on April 6th on April 6th 1883 is that today? tonight it was a night much like tonight but it was a long time ago but this is just the anniversary of the trial oh, damn it that's boring that's not haunted at all <laughs> On April 6th, 1883, Alfred Packer is tried in Lake City for five counts of murder. Here's a drawing of that trial. Okay. <laughs> Looks fun. There's like, you can come watch the trial, but you have to be bald, you have to have a beard, and you need the, your tall boots on. <laughs> and cross your legs. And leave the wife at home, would you please? <laughs> God help me. Almost there. The, tri- <laughs> the 
trial last seven days, Alfred's found guilty of the crime, sentenced to hang on May 19th, 1883. His lawyers, however, find a legal loophole that allows him to dodge his death sentence. They say that because Colorado was a territory and not a state at the time of the murders, Alfred could not be legally sentenced to death. Though he escapes the death penalty, he is still sent to jail. But then the Colorado Supreme Court grants a second trial in Gunnison, believing that the general opinion of Alfred in Lake City was too negative. So they're going to take you to choose super positive people out in Gunnison. <laughs> where they're like, you know what? Eat what you want, man. <laughs> Making the trial, uh, having it in Somewhere Lake City yeah. made it too unfair. Uh-huh. So he, Alfred at this time pleads not guilty in the second trial, but is very quickly found guilty. Oh, God. Jesus. And on June 8th, 1886, Alfred's convicted on five counts of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 40 years in Cannon City Penitentiary. There's his mugshot. Oh. Oh, wow. I'm like, eat it. Doesn't he also look like he could be on either Chicago Fire, Chicago Police, <laughs> Chicago 911, uh-huh. Chicago Sewer Systems? <laughs> All the civic duties are represented on ABC or whatever the fuck it oh, is. That's creepy um, as shit. <clears throat> so done so almost done he tries filing five separate appeals they're all denied on February 8th 1901 after a campaign led by an old friend of Alfred's he apparently had one um, <clears throat> he is granted parole when? what? in 1901 no mm-hmm. so like mm, 14 years um, so uh, he lives out the rest of his days working as a guard and then a ranch hand until he finally passes away from, quote, dementia, trouble, and worry. Oh. Mm. I don't know. Should I have eaten all of them? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he, he is, it's April 23rd, 1907 when he dies. He's 65 years old. Uh, so the good news, we'll just do a quick silver lining at the end of this. The good news is that now, um, uh, there is an Albert Packer day in Lake City. What? <laughs> no! That, this is the flyer from 2016, but no. I went on the website, yeah. And um, That's... everybody needs to start training because there's... What's happening? Can I just say, that's so tasteless. Uh, yeah. I feel... I, I'm sorry. No, no. Uh... Apologize to me, if anyone, not them. <laughs> um, there's a 5K called what? the Run for Your Life on May, t- on May 25th. Colorado! You guys have like a month to train for this 5K. Get in there, wear an outfit, represent, and then after the, fo- the 5K is followed up, I'm not lying to you, by a mystery meat cook-off. No! Yes, it is. Fuck Yes. Please visit lakecity.com for more information. That's the nauseating story of the cannibal of Colorado, Albert Packer. Sorry. We're going to need to see some murderinos out there. If you, if you run the 5K or participate in the mystery meat cook-off, please send us every picture you can. <laughs> we want to be there with you. you guys it's got, you it's got important. Yeah, he can okay. go away. Um, wow, that was fucked up. Oh, yeah, it was, right? Yeah. yeah. Do we have home for, home for a murder town? <laughs> <laughs> Do we have time for a hometown? <laughs> it's home for a murder town 
time. Murder town. Not yet. Hold on. You guys, yeah, you guys know the rules, but I'll just do it super quick for the people who are new. Um, it, if you don't make it local, I will pull your hair. <laughs> I just don't understand the people who Colorado. are just like, Col- yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it local. So I'm from Florida anyway. <laughs> um, it has to be from Colorado, period. Right. The state, please. But nearby is good too. Yeah. Um, tell it quick. We probably just did a two hour show. So we, they want us out of here right about now, I, I would to, say. And I have to pee. And George has to pee. So <laughs> brevity is the key and tell it good and be good at it and if you don't think you're going to be great at it go ahead and just take a rest for the next 15 minutes (laughs) and if you're pointing at a person who has their hand up but you don't know what the story is you're worse than the person who tells the story from out of state (laughs) and now Georgia will choose the hometown I'm choosing and you're going to go let's see Uh, I don't know I hate this so much yeah, yeah uh, the pointing thing, yeah, the one, yes, that you're pointing at. Yes. Go over there. Thank you. Hey, give us those faces, will you? Can we have those back? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, God, thank you. Hi. And you did it properly. Oh, hi, what's your name? Margaret. Margaret. Yep. It's Margaret, everybody. Hi. hi. Oh. I'm pregnant, so I haven't drank too much. Yeah, oh, she's not drunk because <laughs> she's <drunk>. pregnant. <laughs> Yay. Are I'm you sure? <clears throat> Margaret, where are you from? Okay, well, I'm from Florida, but <laughs> this is this is a Colorado hometown, promise. Colorado. Are you really from Florida? Are you really? Yeah. Holy shit. I'm psychic. So, you have to admit I'm psychic. You're psychic. Okay. Yeah. So, 2006, I worked with a psychopath named Travis Forbes for about one or two years, worked with him. Uh, so let's fast forward to 2011. Wait, where did you work with him? Uh, you can't oh. say? Well, let's just say it was a local natural food store. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and Here in Denver. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Whole Foods? No. <laughs> that, that's all right. Sprouts. No, get warmer though. Okay. So then let's fast forward to 2011. There's this... 19-year-old girl named Kenya Monet, and she went out in downtown. She was out in Lodo. She was going to go to one club. I guess she couldn't get in, probably because she was 19. Um, so then she goes to another cl- Like, she didn't tell her friends, I'm not coming to that club, whatever. So she meets, she goes with these girls that she met in the cab. She's like, all right, let's go to this other club. So whatever, she gets really wasted, I guess. I think she left her phone and wallet in the club with these new girlfriends of hers. Uh, so then... She's stumbling the streets of Denver. She's all wasted. And a guy pulls up and is like, do you need to ride home? I don't know why she got in the car with him, et cetera, but she did. Um, and she's never, she's not seen again the next day. I guess they, the friends got her phone and wallet back to her, par- her parents. They're going through her phone. There's like all these worried text messages, this and that. One catches her dad's attention that says, hi, this is Travis. I hope you made it home okay last night. So then, you know, he's, he's kind of the number one suspect at this point. The dad calls the cops. They're getting on this Travis Forbes guy. Um, he has, I think, like some criminal, like uh, drug, maybe theft, whatever, but nothing major. So they're following him around. Um, he, he says, okay, well, I just dropped her off at a gas station. She wanted some cigarettes. I think she got a ride with another guy. I never saw her again. I really hope she made it home safe, whatever. So... Um, 
yeah, so time goes on, and he they're, they're trying to follow him. I think he, like, stole a car, fled to Texas all of a sudden. They were tracking his cell phone um, records that night, and they pinged his... Um, pinged his cell phone out in like the plains of Colorado, like northwest of here or northeast from of here or whatever. So um so that happens. And um <laughs> so what, what happens next? Sorry. Um so they, okay, so then his white van, he has a white van, okay. Hopefully she didn't get in that because then that's like a really red flag. The worst red flag of all yeah. time. So the cops get in his white van and it's just like reeks of bleach. There's new carpet. Mm. He makes his own gluten-free granola at this point. He's like owning his own company. So they have, <laughs> they have video footage of him going to his bakery space that he's renting out from another lady with a huge cooler, <gasps> dragging this huge cooler into a, a walk-in freezer. And they're like, that's weird. You don't usually have to freeze granola. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> then he like... Uh, turns off the camera, so they're like, okay, Ooh. this guy's sketchy. So they don't, they just don't quite have enough on him yet. So then three months later, it's July 4th, he's in Fort Collins. So there's like fireworks, Fort Collins, 4th of July, whatever. So he f finds another girl he wants to attack, I guess, and gets back to her apartment, rapes, um, thinks he beats her to death, covers her body in bleach, and sets her apartment on fire. Well, that girl turns out she's a badass, right? So she wakes up, jumps out of her second floor. She's like in a coma, whatever. So she's in the hospital in a coma. They get underneath her fingernails and find DNA. And it's Travis Forbes' DNA. Holy, Holy shit. shit. Yeah. So then, that's, so then that's it. So then they have him in jail for the attempted murder and arson of this second girl. And um, that's when he, under pressure of the detectives, confesses that he, that Kenya Monet, the night of her disappearance, passed out. He raped her once, he decided he could do it one more time. She woke up the second time and he killed her, um, buried her in a, a shallow grave in the plains of Colorado. Um, and now he is going to be serving life in prison without parole Good. Amazing. for the first girl and another 48 years for the second attempt. Wow. Right. Oh my. Perfectly done. Yes. yes. So, that you was knew great. Him? Yes. You knew him? Yeah. Wait, yeah. I invited him um, to my keg party once, like oh when we worked together. Like we kind of, there was some crew that went out for happy hours and it like haunts, it haunts me later. Like um, I invited him, he calls me, he's like, hey Margaret, I'm not going to make it to your party. Um, I haven't been drinking lately. I stopped drinking and I'm worried about what I might do if I get drunk tonight. <gasps> he said something super creepy like that. Fuck. Did he right, seem well, creepy? Just, just he... never think about that again. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. Margaret, amazing <laughs> Margaret, job. amazing. You. So good. Great job. So good. That's for you. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Wow. Oh, that's awful. Oh my God. You know what that story made me think, though, is that I love, now we know, like, this community of murderinos, like, we see a girl who's alone, or she's our friend, or she's someone we meet in a cab, and we don't let her walk off alone. No, never. We don't do that now. Even if it's someone we don't fucking know, we go up and say, let me, honey, let me take care of you. Yes. Yeah. Why not? Because, yeah. Because, come on. Good job, guys. 
Um, that made me start crying. Uh, <laughs> just the idea of it. I think people know to do that already, mm-hmm. but I think there's something about this wave of like true crime popularity, people being able to say, yeah, I like it, I'm interested, I follow this, I already know about all this stuff, I've seen this story four times, yeah. that now is emboldening people to be like, yeah, I'm going to be the person that walks up and goes, are you okay? Okay, great. Right. I don't want to get in your face, yeah. but I do want to be here if you need me, and that enables other people to reach out and say, yeah. I do need you like that's yeah that's uh that's a thing that you guys are doing we're just up here talking about our fucking my gray roots that are growing in constantly (laughs) but this community is as we always say but it's really true it's this beautiful thing that has grown up out of something so regular and casual to us that's now just we just get to watch it grow and it is it's so impressive and you are giving us you're making all our dreams come true we get to do all the stuff that we love to do and it's because you like it and you support it and you come out and we'll never be able to thank you enough so thank you so so much and thanks for another amazing show, Denver. We fucking love it this here. This was perfection. You guys are this was awesome. perfection. I was worried. They said they said this uh, show is sold out and it's five thousand seats, and I'm like, it's gonna be fucking mayhem. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have to yell at every single individual person. What? How can I control this? And you guys were a beautiful, perfect audience. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We adore you guys. Stay saved. Do God's mission. Yes. Always. Please. I always want to send that message, but more than that, stay sexy. And...